Williams be our uh, reader this morning. He's a student at Valley Christian School. He's a real leader uh, in that school, uh, a man who uh, stands up and uh, takes his role uh, at the front of the line oftentimes. I've thought about giving you the reading that I'm going to do right now, which is just chock full of Hebrew names, but uh, that'll be the next time you read, okay? So this time you get to laugh at me while I read all these funny names. All right, so our second reading this morning uh, is from Numbers chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 40, no, I'm not reading 46 verses. Well, yes, I am. I'm going to read a whole 46 verses. Actually, uh... And I'm reading out of the easy-to-read version, by the way, which is my favorite version. It'll simplify it for us a little bit, but the names will still be difficult. Uh, A little warning here is that we're cutting uh, verse 22, 24, 26, 28, because there's a certain formula that's repeated again and again, okay? So it's going to be a long enough reading. You'll figure it out because I'll give you the formula for the first tribe and then uh, we'll just skip it for the subsequent tribe. So hear the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses in the meeting tent. This was in the desert of Sinai. It was on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites left Egypt. He said to Moses, count all the Israelites, list the names of each man with his family and his family group. You and Aaron must count the men of Israel who were 20 years old or older. These are all the men who were able to serve in the army of Israel. List them by their divisions. One man from each tribe will help you. This man will be the leader of his tribe. These are the names of the men who will stand with you and help you. From the tribe of of Reuben, Eliezer, son of Shedder. From the tribe of Simeon, Shalumiel, son of Zerishadai. From the tribe of Judah, Nashon, a son of Aminadab. From the tribe of Issachar, Nathaniel, son of Zuar. From the tribe of Zebulon, Eliav, son of Helon. From the descendants of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Elishama, son of Amihud. From the tribe of Manasseh, Gamaliel, son of Pedazur. From the tribe of Benjamin, Avidon, son of Gideoni. From the tribe of Dan, Ahi Azur, son of Amishadai. From the tribe of Asher, Pagiel, son of Akron. From the tribe of Gad, Eliasaph, son of Dael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Ahira, son of Enan. All these men were the leaders of their families. The people who chose them to be, the people also chose them to be leaders of their tribes. Moses and Aaron took the men who had been chosen to be leaders and called all the Israelites together on the first day of the second month. Then the people were listed by their families and their family groups. All the men who were 21 years old or older were listed. Moses did exactly what the Lord commanded. He counted the people while they were in the desert of Sinai. 
The tribe of Reuben was counted. Reuben was the firstborn of Israel. The names of all the men who were 21 years or, uh, old or older and able to serve in the army were listed. They were listed with their families and family groups. The total number of men from the tribe of Reuben was 46,500. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Simeon was 59,300. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Gad was 45,650. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Judah was 74,600. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Issachar was 54,400. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Zebulun was 57,400. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Ephraim was 40,500. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Manasseh was 32,200. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Benjamin was 35,400. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Dan was 62,700. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Asher was 41,500. The total number of men counted from the tribe of Naphtali was 53,400. Moses, Aaron, and the 12 leaders of Israel counted these men. There was one leader from each tribe. They counted every man who was 20 years old or older and able to serve in the army. Each man was listed with his family. The total number of men counted was 603,550 men. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you told us that the Father knows the number of hairs on our head. And Scripture shows us that he knew the number of people in the nation of Israel. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who is great and high and lifted up. You are beyond this world. You are bigger than anything that we can imagine. And yet you still know the details of our lives. And we honor you and we bless your name for that. Lord, you know the number of people who are gathered here this morning in this sanctuary. You know our names. We pray that you would bless us. Uh, we pray that you would bind our hearts together as we worship you. We pray that you would send us your Holy Spirit so that as we attend to your word, you might speak to us so that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So happy new year. I did not see you last Sunday. I was uh, actually up in Connecticut uh, with the fluters uh, worshiping at another EPC church. We had a great time uh, up there, uh, but it's good to be back here uh, with you on, on this, the second uh, Sunday of the new year. I have a good feeling about the year 2023. I think that this is gonna be a very good year for us. I think it's gonna be a very good year for Huntington Valley Presbyterian Church. Of course, I know that God is good all of the time and all of the time. I know that all things work together for good for those 
who love God and are called according to his purposes. That's what we read in Romans 8, 28. And then, of course, there is Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. It's that little snippet of scripture that gets quoted in one of our favorite hymns, Great is Thy Faithfulness. The word of God says, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations, as the title suggests, is the Bible's saddest book. And even in the saddest times, we have this assurance that if we belong to God, we will not be consumed, we'll not be eaten up, but we'll be sustained. We will have new mercies every morning because of God's faithful posture toward us. We Christians have these promises in Scripture and we need to know them and we need to hold on to them because sometimes all that we have are these promises. But when I say that I think that this is going to be a really good year for us, that I think 2023 will be a really good year for HVPC, I mean something different than God is good all of the time. While God is good all of the time, even in times of lamentation, there also are times of special refreshings, of special revival for the people of God. There are seasons when God pours out his favor upon his people in a special way. And I think God is getting ready to do that for us here. And I say that knowing full well that we've been through a tough patch these last few years. COVID, of course, hit us upside the head, and then George Floyd and the election of 2020. We've had troubles. And honestly, the worst part of the troubles has not been working through uh, the tough problems. People don't mind hard work. The worst part of the troubles that we have had have been people fighting with each other rather than fighting the problems that they have in common. And what has been so heartbreaking and so exhausting these past couple of years is seeing people fight each other rather than pull together. Now, the Bible is pretty clear that God at times sends difficulties to us to test us. When the chips are down, you find out what people are made of. You discover their character in difficulties. Their strength and their flaws are revealed in the tough times. And we've been through some tough times. And those times have been very revealing of the character of people. But I believe that God has in store for us a special season of revival and refreshing here in 2023. I'm starting a new sermon series today. We will be working our way uh, chapter by chapter through uh, the book of Numbers. If you're not familiar with the book of Numbers, you can think of it as Exodus part two. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites, of course, escape slavery in Egypt and they get themselves out into the wilderness. They reach Mount Sinai where they receive uh, the law of God on tablets of stone and they, they set up the tabernacle which is placed in the center of the camp. And then in the center of the tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant and in the center of the Ark of the Covenant are the stone tablets of the law of God. 
What God does in Exodus is he takes a bunch of unorganized, oppressed slaves and he turns them into a special people for himself. He gives them an identity. He gives them meaning and purpose in the world and he makes them a blessing for the whole world and he does that by placing himself in the middle of the whole thing. He places the word of God in the center of their lives. If we want to be blessed, if we want to be a blessing to other people, then our eyes need to be fixed on God's word. Rather than looking at ourselves, we need to look at God. Rather than even looking at our neighbors, whom we want to bless, we need to look to God. When God through God's word is at the center of our lives, then the blessings begin to flow and then the blessings begin to radiate and we find ourselves blessed and we find that through us other people around us are blessed when God is at the center of our lives. You will be blessed if you come to God. Your life will be better, it will be sweeter, you will actually be more beautiful and you will live longer. There is, in fact, scientific evidence for this. People who follow the science will get themselves to church each Sunday because you live longer if you go to church. Now, here's a mystery, though. If we seek the blessing rather than the one who blesses, we lose the blessing. If we desire the gift but not the giver, we lose the gift. Love God and you and your family will prosper. But if you love God only because you want to prosper, if you love prosperity more than you love God, then you will lose your prosperity as well because God sends trials and tribulations and tests because God wants to know that we love him and not his blessings. And those who love the goodies and not the God who gives the goodies will abandon God when times get tough and times will get tough. We will see that again and again. This is one of the main themes throughout the book of Numbers. God blesses and protects and keeps these people and then there are tough times and they turn against God. We've seen it again and again in the lives of people that we've known who've turned against God as soon as that there's a wind of adversity in their lives. For them, of course, all is lost. Now the book of Exodus leaves the people of Israel out in the wilderness. They're there at Mount Sinai. They're in a better situation than, than they used to be. They're no longer slaves. They're not down in Egypt anymore. They're free. They have their lives. They've been given God's law, which is a pretty good start, but it's not the end of the story. In the book of Numbers, we go from Mount Sinai all the way to the Jordan River to the very border of the promised land and we're going to have to wait to the book of Joshua to actually cross the Jordan into the promised land. And so the book of Numbers is kind of like Exodus part 2 and in this book there are a series of difficulties that God sends to the Israelites to test them to find out what they're made of. Throughout the journey from Egypt to the promised land, God does provide for his people. God does protect his people, but at a number of 
points in this journey, God's people revolt. They grumble. They complain. They fight against God and against the leaders that God has given them. They don't trust God even though God has brought them supernaturally out of slavery. They're willing to throw it all away at some point. Their freedom, their new identity as God's people, they're willing to throw it all away in exchange for a little security and comfort that they used to have back in Egypt. The life of an escaped slave is hard because you're on the run. You're not yet established in your new land. And some of the escaped slaves thought, you know, gosh, I wish I were back on the old plantation. Because at least there I had a roof over my head and we had onions and melons and fish to eat. God offers his people a new and a better future And if those people are afraid and continue to cling to the things of the past, they will miss out on that future. How often does the church miss out on real blessings because of the fear to move forward into the future that God has for us? Now here are two things to keep in mind when reading the Bible. This doesn't matter what part of the Bible you're reading. Number one, people are people. People are people. No matter where you come from, no matter when you live, we do the same stuff today that the Israelites did way back when. And that's why those old stories continue to make sense for us today. We read those stories and we see ourselves in them. People are people and the children of Israel struggle with the same stuff that we struggle with. We're no better Human nature doesn't change fundamentally over time. And number two, God doesn't change. God's character never changes. God's law never changes. What God loves now, he loved back then. What God hated then, God hates now. And so when we read the Bible, though we're reading about God's interaction with a group of people who lived more than 3,000 years ago, it still makes sense for us today because God doesn't change because, well, we really haven't changed that much either. In our reading from 1 Corinthians that Harrison did for us this morning, the Apostle Paul says, now these things happened to them as an example. And he's Paul is talking about the events in the book of Numbers. These things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the age has come. So all of these things that we're going to be reading about in the book of Numbers, guess who that's for? Okay, It's for us. Written down by some Jews about other Jews, to Jews, but guess who it's for? It's an instruction for us. Thanks be to God for that instruction. We're going to be reading ancient history, but that ancient history happened and was written for our benefit. We get to learn from the experience of these ancient people. In the Exodus, God supernaturally rescues and redeems the enslaved people of Israel. 
But God does not fly the children of Israel to the promised land on a magic carpet. They have to walk there on their own two feet. And here's the kind of the awful part of this story. They could have walked there in a couple of weeks if they had gotten with the program. It's not that far from Egypt to Israel. You can do it in a couple of weeks, but no, they were hard-headed, numbskulled, difficult, ornery people just like us. And so it takes them 40 years to accomplish what they could have done in a couple of weeks if they had just obeyed God. A whole generation has to die off because rather than trusting God, they were afraid and they looked backwards and they were trusting themselves. Some of us take a very long time to learn the things that God wants us to learn. Sometimes it takes 40 years to learn what we could have figured out if we weren't so hard-headed in just a couple of weeks. But here's my encouragement to you. No matter how long it has taken you to learn what God has given you, keep at it. Keep keep, Keep learning it. Even if you've wasted a lot of time, even if you've wasted decades, it's okay. Keep, keep at it. We're not at the promised land yet. We're still on our way. Keep working. Keep moving forward. I remember, how many of you remember Dolores Turner? I remember Dolores Turner. Actually, me and I were over at the mall the other day, and I was remembering having lunch with Dolores Turner at the uh, Cheesecake Factory on her birthday. Ava was there, too. We have a nice little picture. I think, I think Mia might have been sitting on Dolores' lap. No, I think she was sitting next to her at that point. Dolores Turner, a beloved saint of this church, she said to me many, many times, now this is the woman who, who got me hired at this church. Okay, if there's, any one, if there's one person to blame for you having me as a pastor, it's Dolores Turner. Okay, now she's dead. You can't get her. But uh, she said to me many times, I guess the Lord still has some things to teach me. She was in her 80s. She had lived a long life. Her body was starting to give out. The end was difficult for her. But the Lord wasn't done with her. He was teaching her new things. In her 80s, he was teaching her about grace and humility and about the ability, the willingness to accept help from others. He was teaching her patience and trust even in this very, very difficult time of her life until that day when we see Jesus face to face, we will be learning, okay? Expect it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't think that you got it all done earlier in your life. You haven't. Some of that learning, well, maybe a lot of that learning is going to come to you through trials and through troubles and through rough patches that God sends your way, which is why we don't fret about them. Stuff's going to come at us. Things are going to happen to us. And you know what? We're not going to worry about it. First of all, we know that because we're in Christ that this was intended for my good. 
And it may not be happy. It's like going to the dentist and getting the tooth yanked, but I know it's for my good. And so that makes me more comfortable, and I can receive that time of trouble as discipline or as training from a father who loves me, who knows me, and has my best interest in mind. In some ways, our whole lives as Christians are lived in the book of Numbers. We who are born-again Christians, well, we've been saved, we've been rescued out of slavery. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the Paschal Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He was slaughtered so that we could escape the angel of death. God did that amazing work for us. He did it for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. And just as the Israelites could not have escaped slavery by themselves, we cannot escape hell by ourselves. Okay? We don't have the power to live the life that would earn us heaven. And all of those Jews stuck down there in the slavery, they, they did not have the power to take on Pharaoh by themselves. They needed God to do that work for them, and God did that work for them. Well, God also did the work of our redemption for us. He rescued us from our sin. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his mercy, but we're not home yet. We're not in the promised land yet. I hate to tell you this, folks. Huntington Valley is not the promised land. Okay, It's not a bad place. But it's not the promised land. This is not the goal of our existence. We didn't live our whole lives in order to live in Huntington Valley. We've got a ways to go. And along the way, there are going to be difficulties and there are going to be tests. For sure, God promised that he would be with us. But the path isn't going to be easy. God promised to provide. But the path won't always be easy. God promised to protect but the path won't always be easy. And here's a tricky piece of this. The hardest part of the journey isn't so much the stoniness of the path. The hardest part of the journey is the stoniness of my heart. That's the truth. Let me explain. If the children of Israel had done everything right, they would have walked from Egypt to Canaan land in two weeks. It would have been a hard walk, but not nearly as hard as they made it. What should have taken a couple of weeks took 40 years, not because the road was so hard, but because their hearts were hard. In these past two years, we've had tremendous difficulty in our country. And in our churches, there was the COVID pandemic. There was the killing of George Floyd. There was the contested election of 2020. Each one of those things was genuinely hard. But even harder than those difficulties was the fighting that happened about the best way to deal with those difficulties. In the United States, more than 100 million people contracted, have contracted COVID. Okay? And more than 1 million have died. It's, that's tough. It's a serious business. But even harder than that disease has been all of the fighting about that disease, about the way to deal with that disease. People stopped fighting the disease and they started fighting each other. And that happened here in this congregation. The same with the killing of George Floyd. 
The same with the contended election of 2020. In each of these hard situations, some started attacking each other rather than attacking the problem that all of us face. It happened in this country and it happened in churches across this country. These past two years have seen the greatest decline in the American church in all of U.S. history. Do you understand that? The figures that I'm hearing are 40 million people who had been in church are not in church now. Last two years. Cataclysmic. All right? It's not so much the trouble that we face. It's the willingness to face that trouble together. Okay? When we have trouble, we're one church and we face that trouble together, and we bear with one another, and we work side by side. God never promised us an easy journey. What he promised was that he would travel with us. What he promised was that he would never leave us or forsake us. What he promised was that he would supply every need. Thank you, Brother Jordan, for bringing the stewardship minute. Okay, We... All throughout this year, the session has been fretting and sweating bullets. How are we going to meet, make ends meet this year? Well, the Lord provided. And the Lord provided extra. Okay? During a very, very tough year, the Lord will provide. I'm not saying that it's easy. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we trusting God's promises to us, to the church. If we trust God's promises, we will not turn against each other when the road gets a little bit rocky, when we are trusting God with the outcome, when we know that he's going to produce the good fruit, when we know that he will bring this thing to fulfillment, then the church will pull together. It will draw closer as the road gets rocky rather than start fighting amongst themselves. What happened to the Israelites, whew, it wasn't pretty. We're going to go through it in some detail. Some of these stories you know. All right. Those things happened for our instruction. They were written down and they've been preserved for our instruction, for the church's instruction. In the weeks ahead, we're going to work our way through the book of Numbers. We're going to work through it chapter by chapter. I would encourage you to read ahead so that you know where we're going so you have some of the background in your mind many of the stories of the book of numbers are familiar to you this is where Moses appoints the 70 elders to help him govern the people this is where the spies are sent into the land of Canaan and they bring back the reports of giants and of huge fruit this is where Moses strikes the rock with his with his walking stick and the water gushes out notice how when Paul talks about that that that's Jesus himself Jesus is that rock in that wilderness. Jesus was present with those people way back then. Many of these stories are familiar to you. I think the verses from this uh, book that are most familiar to you, because you hear them every week, uh, are from uh, Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, that's his face, upon you and give you peace. That's it's called the ironic benediction. It's, it's there uh, in the book of Numbers. So read ahead as we work through uh, 
this book. Oh, there's another passage uh, in this book that I think is really important. Maybe you remember it. This is in chapter 23 where we read, God is not a human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Okay, those of you who think that God updates himself every once in a while, no. God had it figured out from the beginning. He knew what he was thinking. So this morning I want to, woo, look at that time, John. Doggone it. Okay, uh, how much time do we have? Zero minutes. Darn it. I only have seven more pages. <laughs> um, so, uh, Maybe this is enough. Let me pray over you. My wife is nodding the head enough. Okay. All right. Father God, we love you, and we love uh, your faithfulness to your people. Lord, we thank you that we're gathered here in this new year, and I I pray that as we walk forward together and and in the paths that you've laid out for us, that we'll, we'll walk as faithful pilgrims, as faithful disciples, Pray that you would be kind to us, that you would enrich us, that you would strengthen us for the way ahead. Lord, I pray that when the rocky roads come up, that we would pull together rather than fight with one another. And I pray that in all of this, that you would be honored and glorified because you alone are worthy, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.